the masters almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something near beyond the realm of man And until you thoroughly tested every last close trusted view I find the more you think you know, the less you really do That's true, Dr. Zayas Where would we be without THC? Alright, Higher Side Chatters, we have spent plenty of time in past episodes exploring the potential influence of both magic and the immortal archetypal beings it can conjure up. And although many of us can see there's something there, the line between otherworldly influence and potential coincidence often blurs too much to be sure what's what. And as much as we might want to see things as black and white, it does seem increasingly obvious that we're living in a world of gray. So when we hear a story such as the Council of Nine and realize that in the oh-so-strange year of 1947, prominent, influential members of the Upper Crust were experiencing ritual contact with beings that claimed to be ancient Egyptian gods poised to work their will through these elite liaisons, I think we should pay attention. And when someone's willing to make the case that, in the words of today's guest, we live in a world where a group of internet misfits meme-magic to celebrity madman into the White House with the help of an ancient Egyptian deity, I'd say that goes doubly so. His name is A.T.L. Carver, and he's a thoughtful observer of mental phenomena, student of esoteric philosophy, and the author of the most prominent piece on today's strange subject, The Truth About Pepe the Frog and the Cult of Keck. He also has his first book on the power of personal magic coming out in January called You're Imagining Things. So please make sure your seat backs and tray tables are in their full upright position because this is going to be one hell of a wild ride, and there's no better guy to take us on it. Aaron, my man, welcome to the higher side. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was a very well done introduction. It's going to be a great talk. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm psyched. And this is a real pleasure. I'm sure many of us have seen this Pepe the Frog meme and how it's been associated with the Trump campaign. And this all became even more fascinating when he actually won the election. But like so many things worth exploring, it's a tangled web of connections and synchronicities that has to be understood in its totality. So where do we start? Where do you see the beginning of this story? Well, there is a lot of groundwork to cover. You're right. First, I think we should define what is a meme exactly. Sure. So Richard Dawkins defines a meme as a gene of culture. 4chan would say that memes are the blueprints of reality. I think in this context, a meme is sort of a device. It's a communication device that encapsulates a big idea into one very easily digested soundbite or visual. And we see that with Pepe the Frog. He's this, this sad-looking, funny, green man, and you can just project your own emotions onto him, and you know where he's coming from. And from his effectiveness, he becomes so popular, and that's how memes spread and multiply. And at some point, they start shaping culture. So. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about memes here. Mm -hmm. And there is a real parallel to just the idea of truth in general, because when you get into kind of those esoteric philosophies, a big theme is how slippery truth really is and that it's really hard to look at directly, but you can come at it from side angles by poetry or art or various things that allude to truth that can't be seen directly. And you could possibly say that memes are a modern 
form of that thread. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you're right. Esoteric philosophers, they would say the picture is the truth. Right. If you want the full truth of some occult principle, you look at this picture. Yeah, because, you know, a picture says a thousand words. We can condense these abstract ideas into a visual and it's somehow it's so much more easily understood. I think that's because the subconscious mind, it communicates in pictures. Yeah, great point. And so in this subject, we're using the term meme magic. I mean, is this hyperbole or do you consider memes to be a form of digital sigil making, something with real power? I do. Yes to both. Because I consider magic kind of a hyperbole. I think magic is much more mundane than people realize. It's always going on. Like your attention is a form of magic. And I think we'll get into that here and it'll make a little more sense as we go on. Yeah, definitely. And so let's get into uh, this Pepe saga itself. So where did this cartoon frog Pepe originate? Well, he was drawn by a man named Matt Fury, a cartoon artist. But the thing with these memes is the origin, it doesn't really matter so much as how they were Mm co-opted. So he started out as this happy frog when he was drawn by Matt. But 4chan took him and they turned him into this sad frog. And that's what resonated with people. Right on. And it went kind of viral there. And when did this all start? Would you say it was around 2010, I believe, right? Well, Pepe came into popularity on 4chan about two years before that, 2008, I'd say. Right on. But it's an important point because all of this predates the election where all these things really come to a head. So, yeah, it's important to date all this because it, it really makes it more significant when you see how the stuff was always there waiting to be connected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there definitely seems to be a timeless quality to synchronicities and yeah. these kind of things we see. They happen years before, and sometimes we don't even get a clear picture of what it was until years after. So those dates, yeah, they help to strengthen the case a little bit. And we should also talk about 4chan specifically. I think a lot of people who are internet junkies should have some idea of what 4chan is. I typically describe it as a more fringe version of Reddit, but how would you describe it? Are there characteristics to the 4chan community that you think are relevant to the story here? Oh, absolutely. And that's a pretty good summation of fringe Reddit. I think the environment of 4chan is something you have to talk about. It's the actual mechanics of it have shaped it so much. So an image board is a forum, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't have to subscribe. You don't have to make an account. It's all anonymous. So you just log on to the site in your browser and you can post and you can participate in the discussion. So that becomes the defining trait of this community is that you don't have an identity. Hmm. And you actually, there is the feature to give yourself a little, uh, you know, username and doing that will bring so much hate in your direction because that's just not what this site is about. Every other place is about that. This is about the collective. It's not about you. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely good to note. And to go further into the anonymous aspect of it, can you tell us about how posts on 4chan are cataloged? Because that's pretty relevant to understanding some of the synchronicity here, right? Yeah, very relevant. Every post comes with a number attached to it. And it's it's the number in the entire lineage of that board. So what's important about that is you don't know your number before you have submitted the post. Right. 
and this is very interesting, it's kind of ingrained in us, it seems, to give mystic qualities to numbers. And this is this is important groundwork to cover because it's part of image board culture is this reverence for the numbers mm-hmm. that are attached to your posts, specifically the repeating digits, which are, I think it's a 1% chance of getting a post where your numbers, the last two numbers are the same, repeating digits, dubs, as they call them. Right. Dubs and I, the other term is gets, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a get, see, like I said, it's a linear thing. You don't know exactly what number you're going to get, but you can see like 555-300. So everybody knows this big get is coming, this sequence of repeating numbers that's, you know, five all the way down. Mm-hmm. So these gets become kind of an event on these image boards that people, they can kind of calculate when a big get is coming. And I mean, people get so into it, they'll structure their lives a little bit around this big get that's coming. It's like almost like a season finale of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really love this aspect and I didn't understand it at first either, but it is so important to really get the strangeness of the story and the synchronicities along the way, which some people consider synchronicity to be kind of the markers or the fingerprints of entity influence if you wanted to go that far. And it also should be noted that because of the volume on 4chan, you really can't plan much around your numbers and it basically becomes a random number generator in a sense couldn't you say absolutely yeah so that is an important aspect and so i guess what happened here is when it comes to posts that included the pepe meme which was co-opted into the the poll subreddit which well the poll uh board which is like uh the political themed board politically incorrect right because this meme was being used in conjunction with Trump. People started to notice an uncharacteristically high amount of gets and dubs. Is that accurate? Yeah. You could argue that, well, we're talking about that anyway. But you have to also understand that 4chan is, it has a lot of infighting within the cohesion. So say we have a big get coming, right? Five, 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 five. And people want to make that significant, you know, to whatever. You also have a large, amount of people that want to sabotage that get so Mm. you know they'll be posting hillary will win and that'll upset everybody and people flock from all the other boards to converge on a get and it's really just absolute chaos right yeah it's it's a lot more clear when you see it but it is interesting and so every post is given an eight digit number and because of the volume of posts you can't do much planning of the number you want and this is important because on 619, so way back in June, mm-hmm. someone simply writes, Trump will win, and their post number was all sevens across the board. And this is probably the biggest, boldest example of this dub synchronicity, right? Yeah, and that's referred to as the prophecy of Keck. Because <laughs> by that point, people had began to associate Pepe with this ancient frog faced deity that just happened to share some traits of this image board culture. (laughs) Right. It's another example of that synchronicity outside of time thing, because 4chan had been using the word Keck as an alternative to LOL, and they had no idea it was the name of a god. And then eventually they discover that it's the name of a frog-faced god, and 
when they use this Pepe character so much. And it's a frog-faced god of chaos in this place of absolute chaos. Right. And then they, they dig into the pantheon of Egyptian lore, and they find that this Ogduad, the ancient Egyptian religion, they attribute repeating digits to the creation of the universe. <laughs> it all stacks up. And there's also a little bit more to be said about Keck, I believe, in terms of replacing LOL. How did that come about? It also ties into a, an aspect of the Korean language, right? Right. It's just a very obscure place to come from that's completely opposite to what it ended up being. It comes from video games. I think they had some, you know, some game developer put this little Easter egg in where if you typed LOL, it would come out as Keck in uh, World of Warcraft. Right, which is a written version of like a snicker, like a Yeah, yeah, and that comes from the Korean language, like you said. Right. So all these kind of moving pieces come together and sort of culminate in the discovery that these things do allude to and relate to an ancient Egyptian god named Kek. And when I hear Egyptian, I always kind of perk up because I feel like they really knew their shit. Oh, yeah. And uh, it just adds another little bit of flavor to it, wouldn't you say? I mean, you could say Egypt was just the birthplace of religion in general. I mean, the ancient occult philosophy of Hermeticism and the Kybalion, they all stem from these wise masters of Egypt. So it is very fascinating that Egypt of all places is what relates this back, where this all goes back to. Right. They seem to have the most defined archetypes when it comes to spirits or entities. And that's just another part that makes it so interesting to me. So Kek is this frog-headed deity, a symbol of darkness. Mm -hmm. uh, he also represents obscurity and the unknown and thus chaos and also, from what I read about Keck, it seems that he was seen as that which occurred before light, thus was known as the bringer in of light, kind of like that Lucifer archetype, the light bringer, the trickster in a way. Huh. Yeah, Loki. Yeah. Like we immediately attribute darkness to evil these days, but it was not so black and white with their religion. I get the impression. It's the darkness before the dawn, right? It's the fading of an era into a better era. Mm -hmm. And you could draw real parallels to that description and the unexpected results of the last election. Right, right. And maybe the end of, I mean, maybe jumping the gun here, but 4chan saw this as the end of the globalist era because Trump was the chaos candidate you know, opposing them. Yeah. Maybe this was the, the new dawn of a better age. <laughs> it's definitely interesting. And so that's not all, folks, because also talk to us about the way Keck is written in hieroglyphs. Oh, well, this is interesting. 4chan dug up this, this statue that was being manufactured, and it was called a Keck statue. And it had these hieroglyphs on the front. And it's a statue of a frog. And the picture, you'd really have to see it to get the full effect. But it seems to be, in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, the picture of a man sitting before a computer. And then behind the computer is this spiral, this strange, magical, it almost looks like a DNA strand. Yeah. But it's important to note that this is uh, actually incorrect. This, this does not spell Keck. Mm -hmm. It spells Hecate, his female equivalent. But it's still 
very fascinating to me that that mistake was made. Like the manufacturer messed up and called this frog statue with, they put an incorrect name on it. Mm -hmm. That was going to be one of my questions for you because I've seen the frog statue. It definitely is pretty on the nose in terms of looking like a person sitting at a computer. If you're going to talk about some ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic representation of meme magic, a person at a computer with a DNA strand kind of squiggle would be it. Right. But it was so on the nose, I couldn't rule out the possibility that it was some kind of fabrication as a prank. You know, when 4chan's tied to these things, you just never know. Right, right. Well, not a prank, an error, but not on 4chan's part. It was still out there in the universe. So it's interesting how it still fits into this whole synchronicity puzzle right. by way of that. You say DNA strand. You could also look at it as the polling of the election as it goes on, when, when you see the final picture of the way Donald Trump and Hillary's lines on the line graph go up and down, it kind of closely resembles that stranding thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so we've gone through quite a bit of stuff right now, but in a nutshell, it seems like an ancient Egyptian frog-headed deity that embodies chaos called Kek is using 4chan as a vessel to manifest its will. Is that where we're at? Yeah, and this is just the setup. I mean, this is just act one. <laughs> we, uh, uh, I say, yeah, climax of act one, we get the prophecy of Keck, right? So this sure. ironic worship thing turns into, wow, this might be something really going on here. Okay. And so where do we go from there? What's the, what's act two? All right. Well, now we see Trump win the primaries and we see this clash of Titans rise up as he goes head to head with Hillary. And I think you have to, be a 4chaner to kind of understand the hatred that these people have for Hillary and because they see her as the Illuminati, the globalists, and there's so many more synchronicities around that, um, the whole dark magic aspect of, of these elites. I mean, we saw the spirit cooking thing pop up in the election. Right. So it really just drove home this, this already, per, this perception 4chan already had that Hillary was the devil. And now we have this new, this bringer in of light opposing her. They actually made it kind of, uh, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with Moloch. Yes. I was going to ask you about Moloch because, of course, a lot of people talk about the elite and magic. And it seems like Moloch in particular is a deity that the elite and the entrenched power in this country seem to venerate, as well as the goddess Columbia. Uh, which I've also heard is possibly synonymous with Moloch. It gets kind of confusing, but we even have an email from the Podesta leaks that a staffer writes to Hillary yes. herself saying they're going to make a sacrifice to Moloch in the backyard. So I am curious your thoughts on the idea that we might have a battle for influence between powerful ancient spirits and maybe a Moloch versus Kek type of dynamic. Yeah, well, you can see the different ends of the spectrum they could represent with Kek being the god of chaos. You would say Moloch, oh, god of evil, but I could see Moloch as the god of absolute control, of absolute order, because that's certainly the world the globalists want to establish. They want a world of drones where there, are, there is no chaos anymore. Mm -hmm. So we see these two, yeah, just both ends of the spectrum and their chosen champions, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, going head to head. Right. So... I, my next bullet point was the events of 9-11, but is yes. there anything to say before that? I think that's the next, yeah, just the fact that 
people were praying to Keck now very seriously, and they were asking for something very specific, too. As soon as Hillary's health started coming up in the media, as soon as you started seeing the cracks in that facade there, 4chan really started specifically asking for a happening from their God. They wanted to see Hillary's health be exposed on camera because as much as they were against Hillary, they also despised the mainstream media, which was clearly covering for her at every turn. Right. So you would think, okay, if they want to wish something horrible on a woman, maybe that's, that's a nasty thing. But I think more than that, they really wanted to see the media eat their words. Mm -hmm. So they were praying for a health crisis and September 11th comes and there for all to see Hillary <laughs> has this fainting spell and yep. she's thrown in the ambulance like a slab of meat. And 4chan is just ecstatic, euphoric over this is, this is manifested. This is exactly what we wanted. And there was also something interesting about the date 9-11. I mean, if I understand correctly, this is the date that she actually spoke publicly about the Pepe meme, right? The day after. The day after. Same 24-hour period. Right. So that's just the icing on the cake is right after that, of all things to happen, she comes out with this ridiculous, I mean, for her to to make this a talking point in the campaign, it was almost like Keck was winking at us. Yeah. Say, yeah, that was me. <laughs> and here I am. Exactly. If you're trying to gauge the influence of something, and we're talking about a meme that started in the bowels of the internet, like a very obscure and off the beaten path place, and it rises all the way to the point that the candidate herself is discussing it and trying to raise awareness about it as if it's a threat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about that for a minute. Sure. Isn't it possible that this is an extension of this curse that 4chan has placed on Hillary that, you know, she's going to sabotage herself. She's going to start talking about this ridiculous frog and get everybody just questioning her, her lucidity at this point, <laughs> or does Hillary have like a court sorcerer on hand who's consulting her about this and saying, we got to uncharge this sigil. We got to take down Pepe. Damn. I didn't think about that, but historically the elite have kept some occultists nearby. Right. I mean, what do you make of it? <laughs> who knows anymore, man, but yeah, it definitely is interesting. And this whole saga does seem kind of textbook for just the way magic or entity influence seems to work. There's always a bit of ambiguity. It's never so absolute that critics wouldn't just doubt it, but a deeper look will definitely make you think if you're being honest with yourself. Yeah. And we have another synchronicity coming up with that line of thought, too. This, this probably thought. This, it seems like it, but you can't prove it. Right. And I think that also happened in this nexus of the 9-11 date and the days right near it. Yeah. We discover Chatelet. This <laughs> is another thing outside of time that we bring back into this fold. This record from the 80s called Magic Sound hmm. is the label. Of all things for it to be called. Right. And well, of all things for the song to be called, the word printed on it is Pepe. Uh, this is the name of the album, Pepe, in acronym form. And it, it comes down to, I think it's point emerging, probably entering. 
you can see how that just fits right in with this, what we're talking about here. This is probably, and it also goes back to digits, the, the gets. See, 4chan says that Keck speaks to them through dubs, through repeating digits, and it's a probability thing. It's a random number generator, like you said. <laughs> so I think we have a, an album called Magic Sound by a band called Pepe, and the name of the song is Chatelet. Right, and on the album, this is important, this is the most important part, there's a green frog printed on the album. <laughs> Who's holding a magic, magic wand. wand, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, damn. And then if that wasn't enough for you, the band's full album also has uh, some interesting imagery. Yeah, it's got a clock and a man, a man facing a clock. And we're looking at the man top down and he's a fair haired man (laughs) looking at a clock, which closely resembles the Trump Tower clock. Right. And this man actually is arranged within this this eight pointed symbol kind of and it looks a lot like the chaos magic symbol this eight directional little asterisk yeah and that's a crazy one and you know if you wanted to even throw another log in the fire you could get into the lyrics of this song which are pretty eerily relatable to the saga aren't they yeah they're all about bending reality (laughs) and rising up and being a I think it says kind of a, a failure uh, revolutionary. And that kind of, once again, sums up 4chan. You know, they post and they do a lot of talking, but nobody's doing a lot of action in our society. Right. And because this is a French band from the 80s, the lyrics have to be translated. And I wrote down verse one, and that would be why it doesn't rhyme. But when you translate it, it says, cosmic absolute regular reality, breath of an image concept, syntony of civilizations, confused descendants of rebel cells. I fly towards the universe. I'll pass through it. If you are a star, show yourself. I will stop. And that reads like an incantation of some kind. When you look at the probability of what the song would be about, most likely it'd be about some stupid love relationship or breakup like 90% of songs are. But this one is invoking the universe, images and concepts, cosmic absolute. I mean, Jesus, man. And it's a a disco song. I think you said French, but I think it's actually Italian. It's an Italian disco song. So for it to be talking about these things in a club setting, like why, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think my mistake, the reason why I had that it was a French band is because when you talk about what might be next or where Keck might be going now that Trump has won the election, you do have on your website, hint, keep an eye on France in 2017. Can you talk about the suspicion there? Right. So 4chan is kind of, seize onto Keck as this idea of liberating the world from this, this Illuminati, dark magic, globalist control. And we see now more stages for that battle to happen again in other European countries that are being, you know, swallowed up into this Marxist, you know, anti-free speech, really, really gross peasant class fostering politics that seems to be spreading the world. A globalist nanny state. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we see a lot of Trump equivalent candidates coming up in these countries. So 
now we're looking towards Keck to, to you know keep doing the work. And Brexit was the first example of this, even before the election. So we're we're wanting to see this chain continue elsewhere. Right. That makes sense. And I guess I would take a second to say that for me, I don't want there to be a perception that I'm a Trump guy. I would consider myself a neutral observer who is definitely glad the Clinton network went down, but I'm just not as optimistic as 4chan might be about what's replacing it. You know, just because we have a new group of old white guys lying in their pockets, that's not exactly the radical change that would get me excited. But if you want a perfect election, you're going to be waiting a long fucking time. So that said, we should also talk about the Clinton claim a little bit more. The white nationalist alt-right Nazi association. Of course, the mainstream is trying to paint anything associated with the Trump campaign with this brush. And it applies to the Pepe meme as well a bit. But symbols can be used for anything. And if Keck is an Egyptian deity, calling the whole thing white nationalist is a little bit backwards. Yeah. But... What would you say about those claims? Well, it's nonsense. It's grasping at straws. Like you said, this racist label, it's like a hex they cast on anybody who opposes them. They can just strike them down with this label of, you know, oh, oh, you're an evil person. You're racist. I mean, the whole idea of memes is that they can be utilized for anything. They're, They're so universally applicable. So to say that Pepe is a white nationalist symbol, sure, I'm sure white nationalists have used him. But, I mean, if Mickey Mouse was put on a KKK flyer, you wouldn't now say that Mickey Mouse is a white nationalist symbol. Right. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Yeah, the symbols themselves are neutral and really can be used for whatever. And you could, Mm -hmm. if you're in the mainstream media and you want to cherry pick some things and make something seem exceptionally negative, you can craft that tale with the bullet points they have. But there's just so much more to the story as we're talking about. And if people are still doubting the influence of a cartoon frog, not only did Hillary personally comment on it, but Trump also retweeted it at one point, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was her her straw that she was grasping as. Oh, look, Trump has used this white nationalist symbol. I think it was Trump's son, actually. Ah. But it's just a total coincidence or synchronicity. You want to look at it like that. Right. I mean, it, it touched both major party candidates with all the things on their plate. They both dedicated at least a small sliver of time to some cartoon frog from 4chan. Right. Can't believe it, man. They really brought him out into the world. Right. It's just, it's absurd. It is. And so what does the creator of Pepe have to say about all this? Has he been addressed since this has all happened? Yeah, the mainstream dug him out of the gutter to comment on it. But it's just, like I said before, I think he was in the bag for Hillary. Maybe they slipped him some money. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's not relevant. Yeah. You know, it, He's just a vessel. Yeah, exactly. I mean, give him his props for drawing a cool looking character that a lot of people can associate with. But it was co-opted by another group. So it's not about him anymore. Mm-hmm. Or what he thinks. And And this is kind of the nature of art, right? You know, the idea of the muse. You channel things into the world. It's not you making them. Exactly. Another good point. And so when it comes to the synchronicities that happened and you making the website that you made, people, of course, started seeing other amazing syncs and sending things to you. And tell us about what seems to be the oldest connection between Pepe and Trump with this old Donald Trump's real estate tycoon video game. I thought this was pretty (laughs) mind blowing, man. 
Yeah, I mean, there are a ton of these, right? We've only just touched the surface of all these synchronicities. But the Donald Trump video game, the real estate tycoon, right? There's this little simulator game he put out. And within the game, you decide what your logo is going to be for your company. And they have all these just random generic logos. And one of them is Pepe, the word Pepe. (laughs) Right. A corporate name you can choose called Pepe. And the logo behind it seems to be a winding road symbol, which you could definitely connect to this saga if you wanted to. It is quite a winding road, especially if you were going to plant something in the mid-90s about something that was going to happen in 2016. Well, that leads us right into another synchronicity where one of the Mandarin translations of Keck is drama or theater. And man, if you were following this election, you just, you could not write a more up and down roller coaster movie than this, this cycle that we all experience happened before us. Yeah. This election is just absurd with all its twists and turns. Absolutely. So that equivalent, and in German, the word Keck, I think spelt with CK is bold and daring and it all just goes into this character that we've all associated with Pepe on 4chan of this uh, levity and you know trolling and and laughing in the face of the establishment right and you know the obviously there's been a lot of interaction in, in 4chan with this entity is there anything more you could say to flesh out its personality or these interactions, because I think that to me is the most fascinating thing is getting insight into this kind of rare situation of communication with an entity. It always seems kind of vague. It always seems kind of loose. But in a situation like this, I assume you might be able to get a little bit more detail about this maybe personality type or just how it interacts with people. Yeah, definitely. Well, like we talked about, 4chan takes things and changes them slightly, right? Mm -hmm. So what we didn't mention before is the fact that at some point within this timeline, before Trump, really, but in between adopting Sad Pepe, we transform him into Smug Pepe, where where it's a frog who has this very smug expression on, this very sly grin, and he's holding Mm -hmm. up his, his finger and thumb to his chin and looking at you knowingly. And it was very perplexing to us that Pepe underwent this transformation where he now has this, like, this secret that he's harboring. And there was really no justification for the meme. Like, we talk about how memes are very competitive and they have to resonate in the right way. There was really no, none of that for this meme. It just came out of the ether. And people, I mean, the common response to posting that picture, people would say, why so smug, Pepe? Hmm. What, what, what do you know? And <laughs> it's almost like a precursor to Trump winning. And then you see the media having to eat their words and all this blowing up in their faces. People are feeling very smug now. Mm. So it's, uh, it's another aspect of the puzzle. It's so strange that it worked out like that. Right. And so I'm curious, does Keck communicate with the members of 4chan in any other way beyond through the synchronicity of... Double-digit posts? No, but it's significant enough that it seems like almost what more could you ask for. You'll just see it every day on 4chan. Someone will post a, a message that's you know, in some way significant, and their post number will be 7-7. You know? mm-hmm. They'll post 
tech works in mysterious ways and 1% chance goes to them. They get the dubs and that threat. Right. It's almost like a digital Ouija board of some kind and you keep getting the response. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So you were studying magic before this happened, I understand. And knowing what you know about chaos magic, would you consider the saga to be in line with what you might expect? It is the most perfect example of chaos magic working that you could ever imagine. And I'll explain to you why. Sure. 4chan, maybe people don't see the appeal of posting on an image board. You know, some people, you know, are they, they're readers or they, they read comic books. And some people, this is just their hobby because once you start getting into it, you realize it's so entertaining and there's so much on the table. It's a buffet of emotional states. It really is. You'll go into one thread and you'll get into an argument with somebody and you'll get very angry and, and, um, and then you'll go into another thread and you'll just be laughing at all this, this banter going back and forth. And then you'll go into another thread and everybody's just, you know, lamenting. They're airing out their woes and you get very sad. So you get to ride the whole spectrum of the emotional roller coaster, you know, within the span of an hour, just browsing these image boards. And the principle in chaos magic is that these high energy, another synchronicity, high energy, Trump's slogan, <laughs> these high energy emotional states, they are what charge sigils. And so while you're browsing through these emotional states on 4chan, you're, you're also seeing Pepe's, you know, because he's a very popular meme. So the idea is maybe this is how people were charging this sigil with all this power just by the mechanics of the image board. The other way to charge a sigil that's very significant is trance state. Like when you're watching TV and it's the time when your eyes glaze over, all right? That's seen as this idea of the subconscious membrane kind of loosening up. And now you can now you can send your energy out into the world or be manipulated. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But yeah, this, this state of no mind, this meditative state, that's another way to charge a sigil. Another way is sexual simulation. And there's a lot of porn posted on these image boards. So every way you could charge a sigil, it's all here in this little grab bag on 4chan. So it's it's a laboratory for making chaos magic happen. It's, it's insane, really. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And it does kind of call into question how consciousness interacts with reality. And it's kind of a special case or a special case study because of 4chan's nature to kind of get away from the individual and kind of work in a more collective way, it creates a a real great laboratory type setting to test these things out, man. Yeah. There's another story of meme magic before this ever happened. There was kind of this trial run where people kind of tuned into this power. As we know, 4chan's really into trolls and trolling and pranking the world and uh, a couple of years ago, they thought it'd be funny to spread Ebola back into the world. So this was kind of the proto-Pepe. They made this sigil, this image called Ebola-chan, just some anime girl, because 4chan's all about that stuff. And they embedded their desire, jokingly at first, to hasten the spread of Ebola. And we saw that in the news cycle a couple of years ago. It worked. So... 
that was kind of the first trial run of meme magic. And they kind of, they kind of ease off the pedal on that once they realize, wow, we're really maybe affecting the world here just with our intent. <laughs> right. And I did hear about that. And I, I think even outside of that, 4chan does have some other interactions with magic over its existence, right? Uh, how so? What do you mean? Well, I read about another story that seemed to get a little bit of attention. Could have been, again, a troll, but someone seemingly made an egregore of My Little Pony that didn't go quite so well. <laughs> You'd have to tell me that one. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds great. Oh, well, from what I read, they decided to make this egregore out of My Little Pony, very appropriate for 4chan, and right. it became some type of negative entity, and it started speaking <laughs> to them in their head so loudly they couldn't hear other thoughts or form clarity. It resulted in headaches and being kept up at night, and that eventually just stopped. Wow. Wow. Weird stuff, and it could just be people getting attention, but... These things stack up, and you got to look at all of them. Right. Well, that that sounds like the classic word of caution on the the idea of a tulpa, of fragmenting your consciousness into another personality like that. It is funny how we see these things manifesting in the digital world to people who aren't even aware of what they're doing, and then you go back and you see, oh, well, that was chaos magic. That was a a tulpa. Yeah. You also mentioned to me that. In the past couple of weeks, you've been searching for the thread that ties all this meme magic business into something more profound or related to old world occultism. Where are you on that search? Is there anything more to be said about that? Yeah, well, that thread is the Egyptian philosophy and it, another synchronicity with the whole Keck and going back to the, the old Egyptian occult world. The Kybalion is a very kind of a cornerstone text in this esoteric philosophy sphere. I think, you know, Freemasons have adopted it in all different kinds. And it, you can kind of see how it's the foundation even of very mainstream religions like Christianity and Buddhism. It really breaks down the basics of belief. And I thought it was so interesting reading this, talking one of the principles is, you know, the principle of the pendulum and how there's a forward and backward swing to everything. And you see that in Keck. You see, okay, we were headed towards this direction and now all of a sudden Keck appears and now society is going back on this, this PC social justice warrior momentum. And then we're swinging back now maybe towards more of a conservative culture. Yeah. So just all these principles within ancient Egyptian text. I had no idea that really this was the crucible. Ancient Egypt was really the crucible of all this belief and faith. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. It definitely seems to have been. And, you know, if this is a real aspect of reality, I guess based on kind of what we're talking about ancient Egypt, do you think that there was a time in history where it might have been more commonly accepted among people? Is this something that has been purposefully hidden from people? Yeah, I think, well, here's, and I talk about this in my book, right? You're imagining things. The occult has always been there for those who seek it. But the reality is people don't want that power. They say they do, but when you have the tools to shape your own destiny, now you are responsible for your own destiny. And most people don't really want that responsibility. 
it's the saying from the Bible, and this actually came from ancient Egypt, don't throw pearls before swine. And the significant detail there is throwing the pearl. You know, the swine aren't massing you, aren't mobbing you for these little nuggets of knowledge. They're not interested. So don't bother with them. You know, let the people who are interested find you. So I don't know if it's been so deliberately hidden, but it seems to be like it's definitely wielded only by very evil, corrupt people these days. I think back then, the world might have been ruled by a more benevolent class of mystics than we see today. Right. That's a theme that I've had a lot of guests bring up, people who've really studied this stuff deep. It definitely is a popular thought to think that when you're talking about Egyptian pharaohs, these people were their respected leaders because they were so knowledgeable and wise in these occult realms, as opposed to today where it just seems like any old body who's got in with the uh, network of good old boys can kind of get to a privileged position and it isn't based on their merit anymore. Right. And that's the big complaint, right? When you take away the meritocracy of the world, that's where there's problems. And, you know, that's where people make conspiracies about the Jews or the reptiles or whatever you want to call them. Really, the root evil there is the fact that, well, no matter what you do, you don't have a contact in this dark society. So you're not going to get the fruits of your labor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so can there is there anything else that can be said about the elite's magical knowledge or the idea of them using these tools regularly? We talked about Moloch a little bit, but have you seen other things that make you curious? Yeah, well, I have a very good example of this. I, I think a corporate logo is a sigil in a sense. Mm -hmm. We kind of touched on this earlier before. See, there's the idea in esoteric philosophy that there is no such thing as a one-way street. Everything is back and forth. Everything is a double-edged sword. So when you see a sigil and you're charging your sigil, right, eventually your sigil is now going to be its own entity and it's going to be charging other people. You know, it's going to be directing energy towards other people. So that's what I see a logo. I see a logo almost as like an anti-sigil where it's out there in the world and it's there to manipulate people. It's there to embed into someone else's subconscious, whereas a, a normal sigil would be you taking your subconscious, putting it out into the world. This is the opposite, you see. Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely something to that because the biggest corporations on the planet have logos that allude to ancient symbols in most cases. They have mascots that do the same. They invoke Greek, Roman, Egyptian archetypes in a weird way. And it happens more often than it doesn't. And so what's the yeah. deal there? There's got to be something going on. I mean, these also aren't just mid-level players of modest wealth. I mean, these are the motherfucking trillionaires on the planet. And so something's going on. We also see it a lot in NASA, naming missions Apollo and naming meteors, things like Osiris Rex. I mean, strange. Why would they be doing that? Very strange. And just as the practice itself, when you're talking about money being spent, why is it so important for them to shill out millions of dollars just to flash their brand logo? You know, like Coca-Cola spends a million dollars to fly around their symbol on a blimp. Why? Mm. It doesn't, it's not, I mean, I understand advertising and convincing someone to do something, but that's, that's not what a logo is. Right. It doesn't come with a message, you know, telling you to buy something. It's just a logo. 
and these Super Bowl advertisements. It'll be just a story, some emotionally stirring image, and it'll flash a logo, and it's over, and you don't even know what you've been sold. Right. And money itself. Look at look at the dollar bill. It's a it's a goddamn soup of esoteric symbols, hidden and unhidden. Oh, yeah. It's deep. Yeah, and it's such a great example of a charge sigil because it's it's just paper, but we've charged it with this this power, and now it's something you would kill your mother over if you're a certain <laughs> yeah. type of person. Amen. Yeah, I always say if aliens came down and were like, "How do you do things on this planet?" And we say, "Well." Nothing gets done unless you've exchanged some green paper. Yeah, I know that guy's over there starving and dying, but we can't do anything. We can't get him the food. He doesn't have the green paper. And it would just seem so insane. And I would think the conclusion they would come to is, man, all these people are under some kind of spell. <laughs> well, my take on that is they would say, oh, look at these chaos magic primates. They're just starting to grasp the power of these sigils. Look how primitive <laughs> their technology is with their their sigil craft (laughs) because i do look at this as a type of technology yeah you know you apply and it's a neutral thing like we talked about it's how you use it but it's a tool right to get things done in the universe channel desire into outcome and the connection between magic and technology can't be overstated especially if you look at the deep state of the 60s and 70s even up till today they're constantly being accused of being occultists. If you talk about Jack Parsons and the rocketry program, strange stuff. There always seems to be some type of occult connection between some of the most brilliant minds of science and technology and this stuff. Right. Well, I learned this from your podcast, actually. The fact that the pentagram revolutionized the rocket engine, that they found out that's a a more useful way to distribute the lift force is in the shape of a pentagram. Boom. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And you just find these things so often you have to start wondering, you know, where does, where do the coincidences end and something significant begin? Amen. So if we're going to revisit the Pepe Keck thing that we're talking about, there are other synchronicities that I think are really interesting. One that I really loved, I guess, comes from a top memeologist dubbed Gobekli Pepe, which is the most (laughs) perfect name. I guess Uh he's found on Twitter, but he found something about a fan-made version of Pokemon called Pokemon Chaos, of all things. Can you tell us about this one? Yeah, well, I didn't know that, you know, some people are so into Pokemon that they make their own games for it. Man. So that that was interesting to learn. And one of these games was called Pokemon Chaos. and This guy, he made his whole roster of Pokemons, and he named one of them Chatelet. And the the design of this Pokemon looks a lot like Pepe. It's a sad-looking amphibian. So once again, this very strange stack of coincidences that seem to point towards this, this god form. Right. I love that one, man. I mean, it's kind of one of those things you have to see, and if you're a little bit familiar with Pokemon... I mean, it might make even more sense to you, but calling the thing Chatelet of all the possible names, if people don't remember, that is the name of the song that we talked about from the 80s CD. And another point about Chatelet, because we did talk about it being a translation, the song lyrics needing to be translated, Chandelet is the one untranslatable word, right? I mean, apparently there's no equivalent. Right. So it just, once again, like a good meme it becomes something you can kind of project your own meaning onto and 
like, you know, the nature of Keck, there's still this element of the obscure within all this, what, what you can make of it. There's still this, this black hole that you just have to fill with your own thing. And we see that, you know, like on every scale of this phenomenon, there's a Chatelet, there's a gap you have to fill. <laughs> yeah. So have you gotten any other interesting mail that adds any more sinks to the list that maybe you haven't had a chance to add to the site yet? Sure. This one's a new one. Someone messaged me on Twitter, the translation of Donald Trump's Chinese name. So it's six characters and each one obviously has its own meaning when you take them out of context, you know. So when you break it down, the characters for Donald Trump mean offensive, accept slash pay, moral virtue or favor, and then special, extraordinary, light, universal. Hmm. So every one of those, you can kind of relate back to Trump and Keck and all this once again. It just all fits so perfectly. Like, why couldn't one of those be chair, you know? Right. Or, or uh, you know, a different animal. Yeah, I love it, man. It's it's just amazing stuff. And so, awesome. Aaron, ATL, I appreciate you being here. Please remind the people where they can read your work or anything else that they should know about when in terms of following you or getting in touch with you, all that good stuff. Sure. You can follow the Pepe story in greater detail at pepethefrog.faith. And you can follow me on Twitter for more Pepe's at Pepe Report. And if you just want to learn more about these mimetic magic principles in general, you can check out my book, You're Imagining Things, on Amazon.com. It's coming out January 1st. You can get it on pre-order now. It'll also be on Kindle when it comes out. Boom. Right on. Thanks, my man. Couldn't have done it without you. I do think this Pepe Keck Trump saga is an excellent case study and how magic could work. And I haven't seen anybody breaking down this stuff better than you. So much appreciated and take care of yourself out there. Praise Keck and Chatelet. Thank you. Praise Keck. <laughs> All right, people, the Pepe meme and the cult of Keck. Hopefully you enjoyed that one. I think we made about as good a case as anybody when it comes to synthesizing this saga. And there is an interesting tendency people have that I've noticed that will probably apply here too. But when you make a broad statement, like the media and politicians lie to us, you'll get a lot of agreement. You could probably get 9 out of 10 people to agree with that statement in general. But then when you get into specifics, it all falls apart. Ask those same nine people, were we lied to about 9-11 or Sandy Hook or, say, vaccines or whatever it is? And it's like, okay, you think the establishment lies to us? Well, what about? Because every time it matters, most people stick to the mainstream opinions. And I think the same thing might happen here. We do these shows about magic and the power of sigils and synchronicity. And a lot of people think, oh, yeah, that stuff is totally real. And then we lay out a detailed case like this, and we'll probably see a lot of people who say they aren't buying it. But I'd ask, what would you expect a meme magic digital sigil influence filled with synchronicity to look like, if not this story? I find it pretty interesting. And I don't even care about Trump. I don't like Trump. I just think this idea of an ancient Egyptian personification of chaos throwing a wrench in what should have been one of the most predictable elections in my lifetime is provocative as hell. If this kind of thing is possible, 
why wouldn't this be one of the best examples of it? Personally, I think the CD, the Pokemon game, and the Trump real estate tycoon game are just amazing exhibits A, B, and C. I've yet to really talk to anyone else who's knowledgeable about magic to see what they think, but it's definitely piqued my interest. It will be intriguing to see if it goes any further, or if it sort of just fades away in the election aftermath. Maybe Keck will transform the Western world by influencing other elections around the globe. And I'm so divided on if I think that's even a good thing or not. Of course, I'm not a globalist, but I'm also not a conservative guy. Definitely not a white nationalist. In fact, when I started THC, it really was the only conspiracy show without a conservative or Christian tilt. And I kind of liked being a more neutral or even left-leaning perspective. But liberalism has changed in the last 10 years. It's gone full circle from being what I used to consider an affiliation for free speech advocates to now wanting safe spaces and condemning any words that hurt feelings, and it's just kind of gross. I used to look at conservatives and see them as way too serious with a stick up their ass, religious and humorless, and that tide has turned. But the real point here is that liberalism has been a vehicle for the one world government and globalism. If you don't support the full homogenization of everything, then you're racist. That's what they're doing right now. And conservative moves like Brexit or even a Trump win are considered the resistance to that tide. So that's interesting. The truth is, there are just too many opinions and too many degrees of scale to even sum it up in a few sentences. But there does seem to be major changes to what some of those worldviews represent. I've stopped trying to define how I think it should be, and instead just try to get a better handle on how it is. What difference does it really make how I feel about something, or how productive is it to spend time saying, well, it'd be much better if we did X, when really, I don't have any say in the matter. I guess it's an effect of this election and post-election cycle. Everyone has such a strong opinion about this or that, usually saying the same sentences as some major pundit. It's just kind of turned me off from all of it. I know so many people who have cried over this election, or they say they've been depressed since it happened. I know people who are signing petitions to keep Trump from speaking in their state. And the joke keeps getting made. This is what happens when you give everyone participation trophies. And it's kind of true. A lot of people my age, liberal-leaning people, they think their opinion matters and that they should have some say and it should have some sway. And the cold hard truth is that it doesn't really mean shit. The empire marches on, and the middle class is exploited, and they're laughing at us in our stupid petitions. Ignore the things you can't control and work on just being a better you. I think a lot of people who aren't happy with their place in life and are afraid to really confront that focus on the media's story of the week instead. I'll just retweet about Black Lives Matter instead of working on a business plan for myself, or I'll just share some more links about Trump being a misogynist instead of going to the gym. I know people struggling paycheck to paycheck who probably invest dozens of hours a week to Facebook political commentary and posting random articles, I agree with this one guys, and I don't agree with this one, and it's kind of a big circle jerk to nowhere. It's probably wiser to just sit back and observe, or even ignore. Ever heard the saying that we have two ears and one mouth because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk? I think there might be some truth to that, especially in the social media age. But I'm deaf in one ear, so I don't know how that works for me. And that was a hell of a tangent. It just happens when Trump gets brought up. Everyone is so polarized about it. It takes some explanation just to kind of get to the center anymore. 
Either way, I definitely thought this was a good show topic. If you're like me, you've seen this Pepe meme and wondered what the hell it was about. Now we kind of know, but we can't fully know, can we? That just seems to be the nature of these things. Hope you're all navigating the thorny holiday season as well as you can, and I'll see you in just a few days with the last show of 2016. I've done my part. Your move, Keck. Your fucking move. Lucid dreams are so vivid Cause you go to bed at seven And your brain comes alive Cause you hate your nine to five You wake up with a dread And make sure your cats are fed Did your brain talk to a ghost Who moved your coffee and your toast As you listen to the high side chats You get to your desk And your boss says it's a mess And your soul slowly grows To a place where nothing grows When you think he's not around You insert a SETI sound The OM says turn it down And you say it's just the higher side chats Oh, do you think you'd be invited To Bohemia Grove To a Bilderberg Club Oh, do you think you'd be invited by a Rothschild to a party on a submarine Diving down to the center of the earth Through the Marianas Trench Your teeth begin to clench from the sulfurous stench The mask you're given doesn't fit Cause you're not one of them Starting today, you'll make plans to get away There's no one to hold you down And the what-ifs start to drown Then you wake to the glare of a cold fluorescent stare And the light winks at you Cause its life is almost through But it's holding on to quit time just like you It's time for the high side chats Hey guys, thanks for listening to the first hour of the Higher Side Chats podcast with me, Greg Carlwood. If you don't know, there is a second hour to all the episodes we do around here. Generally, we're able to get a lot deeper into the topics and ideas that a guest is about. So if you enjoyed what you've heard from THC for free, consider signing up at thehiresidechatsplus.com to get the second hour of the five shows I put together each month. I never really wanted to be a paid subscriber podcast, but I really hate the idea of spending airtime promoting some product that's completely unrelated and telling you the best way to support the show is to buy an audiobook or new underwear by mail or something crazy like that. So instead, if you like the show, double your time with it for five bucks a month and let's cut out all the other shit. It's half the price of a movie ticket and you get at least an extra five hours of show a month. Collectively, it keeps us stable and it frees me from wasting your time with anything but the show you came to listen to. It's really the only way for an independent one-man show to make it, and I do what I can so that it's worth your while. Since we started this, I've always tried to use the subscriptions to improve the podcast and make signups more advantageous. It started with just a second hour for the main show, but now we've got a nice forum going where people can get deeper in conversation about the episodes with other listeners submit a candidate in the guest request thread, or share their own personal projects to get out of the soul-crushing 9-to-5 cog-in-the-wheel life on the entrepreneur's thread. 
The forum and the plus comments are always the first places I try to go for listener engagement, but it does get harder as the show gets more popular. Because of that, there's also a direct messaging feature that you can use to reach me through the plus site also. But beyond the forum, if you like any of the music I've used for THC, most of it I've hired artists to make, and I provide it all as free downloads to Plus members too. So if you like a particular song you've heard close the show out recently, come get the MP3. I should also mention that if you don't like the idea of paying $5 recurring every month, I get that. You can buy three months, six months, or a year up front and just be done with it. I have plenty of listeners who send checks and money orders to the P.O. Box too, I try to make it as easy for people as I can, and you can read more about it on the sign-up page. Also, be sure to check out the FAQ help page on the Plus site if you have any questions or concerns about how to listen to a password-protected show on your devices. I've highlighted a lot of great solutions, and one of those would be the iPhone app that just recently hit the Apple App Store. A super kind and talented listener made it for us, and you can use it to stream or download either the free or the Plus show. If you're on Android, I'd use Pocket Casts or Podcast Addict and subscribe to the feed manually that way. I also try to throw in occasional bonus shows or Q&A shows, and I've got a few other weird ideas I might get to try out soon, but I give you all I can for five bucks, and I hope you'll at least give it a shot if you've listened to a few free shows and you find them unique or valuable. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and I'm just one of them. But if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about any of this, please get in touch with us at the Chats team at gmail.com. I also wanted to plug the Higher Side newsletter I'm going to be putting out, totally free for anyone who wants to sign up at the main internet website for the show, thehiresidechats.com. You can also get on that email list through the Higher Side Chats Facebook page. There's a button there as well. But the reason I'm doing this is because I get tons and tons of emails after a show goes up asking me about how I feel about a particular guest or topic, and the wrap-up isn't always the best place to do that, especially if I have anything negative to say. Sometimes the dust needs to settle. Sometimes I need to hear feedback from you guys first. There are a lot of factors, but I usually have something to communicate to you, and I just don't get to do it. So on the first of the month, I plan to send out a little newsletter with my thoughts about the five shows the previous month, and talk to you about anything else that's on my mind or that's going on. And what's probably most enticing is that I'm going to give you some insight into at least one guest I have coming up in the month, which people have been begging for some posted schedule for a long time. I personally think I'd like the surprise. But sign up for the Higher Side newsletter. It's free. It comes out on the first of the month, and I won't waste your time with any other emails. And that's it. I appreciate you listening. I try to give alternative ideas and guests a fair shake on a high-quality podcast, expose some deep-level conspiracies without the yelling, and I hope to offer some inspiration that even though the system relentlessly suggests you should follow their blueprint to mediocrity, you can do your own thing and live a much happier life despite all the negativity in the world. So go ahead and treat yourself. Isn't it about time? <laughs>